0: It's okay to be really happy. There's not always something to work on. It's okay to just say, I'm here, I'm close to the ocean, I have good food in my plate. I'm really grateful, you know, I really am.
1: Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. This is Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. After spending 13 years in a chronic health battle, I've made it my life's mission to support you on your healing journey. Each week, I gather with the leading voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development for rich conversations to help you heal deeply and create the life you've been longing for. My guests and I educate you on the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I've personally curated this space to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. Hello there. I am so excited for today's show. This has been a long time coming, mostly because today's guest and I have known each other since we were little. And Erica Fowler is actually one of my brother's oldest friends and we grew up together in Temecula. So to reconnect all these years later and see just how similar our lives are and have been in these paths that we've been on, even when we haven't been connected over the last few years. It's kind of crazy. And I'm so happy that Erica and I got to hang out in San Diego and have this conversation in person and just catch up on all the things and have some girl talk and I got to learn so much about what she's been going through over the past few years and what she's done with her life and her healing journey in order to support other women and give back. And Erica is a holistic health coach and a plant-based chef based in San Diego. And In this conversation, we talk a lot about what it was like growing up in Temecula and the different things that we experienced within our own families, her healing journey from Epstein-Barr and how she has used holistic remedies and medicine to really heal from within. And we talk about the medical medium protocol, our parents what their relationships have done to our relationships and how what we've seen has created a lot of our patterning. We talk about supporting other women and how important that is and the different areas of her life that she's grown the most in and her relationship with her boyfriend and how they have navigated their communication and the ups and downs of that. So you can find Erica on Instagram at EricaJaneHealth. And I know you're going to love this episode. She's one of the most beautiful people inside and out that I have ever known. And I am so beyond proud of the woman that she has become and the way she has decided to give back and serve other women in this process. It's really, really admirable. So enjoy this one with Erica Fowler. Okay. So we were talking about your sisters in nursing school now. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And we were talking about. The last time we saw each other was probably when you were in high school.
0: Yeah. I think you dropped me off after school Yeah, because I didn't have a driver's license yet.
1: And you were Steven's year.
0: Yeah. Steven and I met in like first grade. Mm -hmm. So he's probably my longest childhood friend. Did you really? I don't... Gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So we were really close like all through high school. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we've like had different paths. But every time we talk, like, it's crazy that he is like a brother. Like... When we see pictures and stuff and all of our teachers in high school, and he would always pester me. So we just had like a sibling relationship.
1: Yeah. Because you guys never dated.
0: No, we didn't. Which
1: I... It killed
0: me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, why can't you
1: date Erica? Because he She's was... so beautiful was and amazing. Like,
0: <laughs> Annoying. Yeah, I date, no, no, no. <laughs> I kind of ever... Yeah. He dated my friends or whatever, but we just... Yeah. We were best friends. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. That's so funny. Mm-hmm.
1: The fact that both of us have gone on these paths of sort of getting out of Temecula and that small town and in LA and San Diego, how has that been for you in creating this life you have now?
0: It's been really nice. I feel like the more I started coming to Encinitas in the San Diego area, it just felt like home. It felt like a lot of like-minded people to me. And it really was a huge part in my journey of you know, being where I am right now. Mm Because I feel like when I started this journey, I just was stripping away everything and figuring out like who I was, what I wanted. And obviously food was a huge contributor to that, but also people in the community. So it was, I remember going to my first farmer's market in Lucadia and seeing like people barefoot and like breastfeeding their kids and just like, just this really free environment. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like it just feels right, you know, to be here. So what drew you to that? Kind of
1: lifestyle, when that's definitely not how we were raised, <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely not I've always had a little hippie in me for sure, yeah, um never liked to wear shoes and things like that, obviously, why that stood out, but I think it was more flipping the system. I was so done with believing everything that we were kind of just told, and I wanted to really go back to basics and always and figure out what was kind of truth for me
1: at what point did you? start your own health journey and and go through that illness and what was happening at that time
0: probably 10 years ago i think i was a pretty healthy kid but i did get when i got sick i would get really sick and i had strep throat a lot so i don't know how old i was i want to say like 20 maybe i kept getting strep and i'd get on antibiotics and then a few weeks later it would come back again and they'd give me another like a different antibiotic and i did that like four times in six months and then they wanted to get my tonsils taken out and I went for that appointment and thank God I didn't get them taken out but I started changing my diet and taking this liquid vitamin at a time at the time I don't know if you remember it there was like it was really big where everything was in this liquid shot like from seaweed to just the whole nine yards and never had a problem again So I don't know if I was deficient in something. And I just started... So I realized that food did contribute to the way that I felt or vitamins or minerals. And I started just researching nonstop and incorporating a lot of other things in my diet. I couldn't say that it was like that strong. For the past 10 years, I've had different things and relationships with food. But it definitely was a constant of... I knew that it was relevant to how I was going to feel with what I was putting in my body. Right. So you had Epstein-Barr. I never got tested. Oh, you didn't. I also had mono in high right. school. So,
1: so it's definitely in your system. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I um, knew that there was something going on, but I've really used what I ate in my lifestyle to not... I, I haven't had been sick since. So... That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think there's so many contributing contributing factors to that. So.
1: so we talk so much about food as medicine on this show and... Obviously, you know my journey. That's been everything to me. We talk about all these inflammatory foods that cause or trigger or make worse things like leaky gut and SIBO and chronic inflammation and fatigue. What foods have you seen in your life and maybe with the people you work with that cause some of the biggest issues?
0: Yeah, I think everyone's different. For me, I think high amounts of gluten kind of would give me brain fog. And I think dairy kind of didn't make me feel well either. Mm -hmm. So just incorporating the most whole foods, plant forward approach really was the best thing I could have done for my body. A lot of fruit, a lot of leafy greens and vegetables and smoothies. How do you
1: feel about raw versus cooked when it comes to vegetables?
0: Um, I like both, but I I would say I still, coming from being a picky child, still carry through some of those tactics. I think it's good to have both. I try to do like fruit in the morning, And sometimes some spinach in my smoothie as well. And then for lunch, I usually do like a salad, but I definitely love cooked vegetables. Um, So for dinner, it's usually something warmer. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I like that I asked you earlier if you were a vegan and you said that you never really use that label, which I like because I think talking about plant forward or plant-based or um, flexitarian, like it makes more sense because then you don't have to be so rigid. And I think that's where a lot of us get caught, especially people that have had eating disorders mm-hmm. or dysfunctional relationships with food in the past is you put a label on it and you're, you're married to that. And if you have a public you know, forum to share that with, then people are all up in arms if you ever have a piece of fish. So how do you navigate that part?
0: I think it's sometimes I feel like it's interesting that people put labels on their food. Because it's kind of you eat with what makes you feel good. And there's a lot of seasons to that. Mm -hmm. So um, some people will ask like, Oh, you don't eat this? Or do you eat that? And it's like, Oh, right now, like, this is what it is. Well, literally, I don't... I probably am really close to a vegan diet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, 100%. Yeah, I think it's important to to just live a certain way and let other people feel comfortable with what they're doing. And that it's not the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. There's not one-size-fits-all approach. So,
1: you were talking about working with so many cancer patients right now. How has that evolved in your work and why do you feel like um, those relationships are strong for you at this point?
0: Yeah, I've had a few cancer clients and um, I'm kind of involved with certain like businesses that are being built to incorporate more of a holistic approach to partner with Western medicine when it comes to cancer. Mm. So, I'm very passionate about that. I think that in my experience, there's been a gap between. Western medicine and holistic wellness when it comes to people going through cancer or things of that nature that we can work together. And if people are doing treatment, I've seen that you know, through one of my clients in particular, that things like celery juice and the way that they're eating has really helped through the side effects of treatment, sleeping better and the aches and pains and things like CBD. We've been able to kind of... Instead of always going to prescription medication like for sleeping pills with all the side effects that come from chemotherapy to be able to use food as a something that helps along that process, Mm. warming soups and dishes and things like that. Yeah. I
1: think that's one of the scariest things that we see, especially in hospitals, is, you know, they're being fed jello or processed foods. And my thing is like, how are these people ever able to heal? So do you feel like there are big boundaries in the way for you or obstacles that you sort of have to leap over in order for Western medicine to understand those concepts?
0: Yeah. I mean, my approach is more for the individual person to want it. And I think my approach is very calm as far as it's just like intuitive and it's a slow process. I think you can go into someone's home and at this point of how I live, I can go through their pantry and all their cosmetics and just like do a tornado and say everything's bad. But also it could be starting with lemon water and starting with an Epsom salt bath and kind of just like having the dialogue over time and building a relationship and, and then learning what their body is craving and wanting and needs and then building from there. Mm-hmm. Do you incorporate testing with your clients? I always look at their results. Yeah. yeah. So what they're doing through their doctor and what they want. I mean, my job is really that whatever the client is looking, their goal they're looking to reach, I help them reach that in a holistic way. So a lot of that is through food. But then I also incorporate oils and baths and whatever other routines I think would be beneficial for them. Mm -hmm.
1: When it comes to self-care, I think that is such a part, such a huge part of the holistic healing process. That's really changed my life. Things, meditation, journaling, bath time, um, anytime you can find that quiet space for yourself going on walks, what... In what way do you teach people about self-care and how that's such an important component?
0: I show them a lot of things and they start doing like dry brushing or things that fit their needs. And then we talk about how self-care really can be a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things we can do. So learning, you know, doing a couple of them for months and then you'll realize that you need something else. And then always just having this like toolbox of healthy things to do. So you know when you wake up that one morning that it's time to to pull out this tool and to do that, you know, and to just like, to learn all those ways, you know, of self-care. I think it's huge. Yeah. Just and loving I, ourselves is huge.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that you're so right. It can be a full-time job and it can be so overwhelming, which is why people end up not doing it. So it's about making it simple for you, whatever works best for you. Just because someone else is taking a bath every day and doing this whole like hour long yoga and meditation, that doesn't mean you have to do that. If you have 10 minutes to offer for that, then that's okay.
0: Yeah. And taking deep breaths. Like I did a lot of breath work in my journey with someone in the area that's really good. And um and just learning how to take deep breaths and how that changes our nervous system. And you know, there's so many things that we can do that don't cost a lot of money or but then I know when I need a massage and I know when I need acupuncture and if I have a lot of going on and I'm stressed, I know now like I need to proactively Get acupuncture or do things so things stay balanced yeah. a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are some of the things that you feel like, you know, your 20s can be so gnarly? Oh, man. Oh, they have been. I'm glad I'm out of my 20s, although 30 and 31 has already been very aggressive. <laughs> um, but what do you feel like your 20s has been in terms of the things you've worked on and, and grown through and learned from
0: the most? I just learned myself. You know, I feel like I, had finally, or I have finally, or I'm continually trying to just be my own friend and understand that it's okay to be who I am. And um, I think I had a lot of anxiety and wanting to fix other people and you know, some family stuff that happened in my early 20s that took me a long time to work through. So I've just learned to really appreciate life and that it's, it's okay. My thing right now is it's okay to be really happy. There's not always something to work on. It's okay to just say I'm here, I'm close to the ocean, I have good food in my plate and good community and a good-looking guy with yeah, beautiful a, blue eyes. <laughs> a great boyfriend who's helped me through so much these past 5 years that I'm really I'm really grateful, you know? I really am. Did you grow up with a sense of gratitude? Yes, I did, but I also had a very beautiful upbringing. And I didn't realize I didn't have anything traumatic happen until I was in my early 20s, which really was like my first experience when my parents divorced. That rocked my world and me to the core. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Wow. So it really just like flipped my world upside down. But in that, I I really, I don't know if the right word is fought, but I was like, I'm going to be happy. And there was times I really wasn't. And I did go through a lot of therapy and work to get to where I am today and a lot of work in my relationship for them to understand me and to, you know, whatever we've worked through, but I can say now that I honestly like who I am now way better than who I was, you know? I was always grateful and nice and empathetic to other people, but I didn't really feel what pain was. And so now when someone tells me something, I I can cry with them like I know what it feels like to be in that place, and I think that really was the core of everything that has come these past nine years <laughs> from that, you know? Yeah. So. It's interesting.
1: I don't feel like I grew up with gratitude. I ha- you know my parents. You know how we lived. They were great. I got to do everything I ever needed and wanted. I don't think that I was grateful enough though. I think I was kind of a brat. And I think the last few years is when I've really started to learn what gratitude is. And this concept you're talking about of it's okay to be happy... That's something I've fought for so long. I've been so scared to have the life I dreamed of. And now I'm having it. Like all these people that I love so much that are so wonderful, the career I dreamed of, that I'm healthy now, I'm helping people, I'm fulfilled. I live in a great place. And it's scary, I think. So often there's a fear of failure, but there's also this fear of success and joy. And what does it look like? Because what happens when you get there? We have nothing to really worry about, and so people that live with anxiety, it's such a foreign concept.
0: yeah, I think I, I can agree with you that I wasn't at the level of gratitude back then that I am now. That's for sure. Like I definitely was a brat. I definitely took things for granted and um, didn't have the eyes that I have now, right? I didn't see the world the way that I did now that I do now. and um, that has changed. But I remember like going outside when I was in high school and just being so happy to look up at the sky, and like I had that like the hippie thing we were talking about, but um, nothing near to what I feel like, how appreciative I am now,
1: as you guys know, I love to hug everybody, and I'm so happy that you listen to this show, but I don't get to see you in person, and it breaks my little heart, so. I decided to have an amazing event where I get to meet all of you and also introduce you to my doctors, my healers, and some of my favorite people in the whole world. So on October 5th here in LA, we'll be holding Ceremony Wellness Live and it will be a full day of speakers and different activities. And you'll have a chance to ask me and all of these people any questions you have. You'll have a chance to interact and really understand how to heal on a variety of levels. And something that I realized early on when I started the show is that you love the guests that we have and you just want to work with them. You want to ask them questions. You want to feel supported by them. And so I've brought all of my resources together in one day to give that to you exactly what you've been asking for. So if you go to kellytenant.com slash live, you can get tickets for our event and I cannot wait to see you there. Do you feel like part of that too is learning to slow down and actually be outside and be like, damn, earth is amazing. <laughs> you totally. Know?
0: Yeah, I, I would say so. And I think I was very lucky where my parents, you know, we grew up camping for like two weeks at a time in the Sierras, like since my sister was a baby, but they would just tent camp, which I, amazes me. So I kind of had this really connection to nature my whole life. I hadn't traveled and that was always on my list. So I feel like I was really like amping up for this journey that I knew I was supposed to be on. And then I met my partner, Chris, and he was that person that had traveled the world and spoke multiple languages and didn't have that fear and was really just like in his zone. And I just was mesmerized by that. And I knew that I you know, wanted to be with him. And since then, I mean, we've traveled all over. And that's probably when I'm happiest is when I'm out of my comfort zone. Because to him, traveling is easy. He would just go till his passport expired and live off whatever. And to me, it's like, I'm packing a backpack for a whole month. That's oh, wow. it. You know, it's like, I'm going to be so far from home. And then I get there and it's just really a freeing feeling.
1: I want to go back to your parents' divorce. I'm curious sure. what you learned about yourself and your idea of relationships during that time.
0: I think I learned a lot as far as wanting to help them. You know, I feel like they did so much for me growing up. And maybe they focused so much on our family unit that they might have drifted apart by the time we were older. So I had some guilt in that for some reason that I had to work through. And also, um, everyone's on their own journey. So when it was a really hard time, I think it was like 10 years ago now, I wanted to jump in and help everyone do everything. And and in turn I was becoming worse inside. Mm. And so, you know, I really learned about how they say, you know, put your own life oxygen mask on first. Yeah. So that's, I kind of just disconnected and I moved to the beach and I was like, you know, the best thing I can do for everyone is to be the best version of myself possible. And I had to brainwash myself that my yoga mat was home and just kind of like light my candles in Encinitas and, breathe on my yoga mat and stretch and just be like go through the uncomfortable you know and there were so many people and mentors and strangers that i met at coffee shops that i was really connected to people i didn't know at that time i wasn't really connected to old friends and family as much as i just wanted to like see the world through other people's eyes and really grow as an individual but i learned that the love is always there and and just had a lot of gratitude knowing that I had the childhood that I did have, you know? And a lot of people, I think, have a youth that isn't always as loving as mine was. And so I just try to focus on the good. I think one of the hardest things for people is to actually sit in the pain
1: and experience that. How do you do that and allow yourself to go there knowing how difficult it can be?
0: I don't like it ever. Mm -hmm. And I think um, whenever I feel that way, I definitely. Want to just get out of the situation, so it's very conscious for me to um if I ever you know my anxiety went from like ninety percent ten years ago to now it's like point zero two if I ever have it so if I do feel uncomfortable with the situation um realizing that it's temporary and just kind of using my healthy tools that we talked about, you know I think when it all started, I went to the doctor because I had some hives or something and they wanted to put me on antidepressants and different things like that and i I kind of thought that, that was a little aggressive at the time so I didn't do that. Um but now just you know my lavender oil if I journal, if I go for a walk, if I listen to music or just talk it out, you know, to be in a relationship where you can kind of just show all sides of yourself and have that friendship, you know, we've worked really hard to have the relationship that we have so to be able to just say this is how I'm feeling and someone still show up for you and love you, it's like it's really helped me grow as a person, for sure.
1: How have you guys gotten to that point? Because I think communication and healthy relationships is somewhat rare, um, which is, you know, we see high divorce rates. We see people breaking up because they don't have that connection. How have you guys created that?
0: Um, I mean, our relationship hasn't always been super easy, but it's always been, we've both always wanted it. And I think to talk about the hard stuff, you know, we've, really removing our egos and listening to the other person as an individual like what where they're really coming from and trying to build something better because i think the goal is to have long-term happiness and to have a relationship that's going to last a long time so what are you going to put into it to make it that way and what are you going to do for yourself to show up as the best person you can be to have those type of conversations and then also, sometimes, to just enjoy life and realize okay we like I said, we don't have anything to work on let's just go to the beach, you know, realize the bigger picture, let's jump in the ocean, let's push each other in different ways, you know, and um just a team environment, I think mm-hmm.
1: how have you learned to ask for what you want?
0: <laughs> Maybe I've been good at that, oh, okay, <laughs> I always know what I want, so I think just to be able to say it, like this is what I want. I don't know. Yeah. Like in what way are you asking? Well, Like in my relationship? Yeah. Or just in life in general.
1: I think so many people are scared to ask for what they want because they don't want to make someone uncomfortable. They don't want to come across as maybe being pushy or too authoritative. Or sometimes, yeah, we're just scared of judgment. I think a lot of times we don't advocate for ourselves in any aspect of our life. And so when you learn to ask for what you want, and then your partner is able to understand that and not have to read your mind. And then you get what you want and there's an equal back and forth. It's this beautiful thing, but I think there's always these barriers in place to where we don't get to that place.
0: Isn't it funny as women, sometimes I feel like we're so intuitive that you and I could be having a conversation and I wouldn't have to say it much and you would know. And then you talk to sometimes a gentleman or a man and it's like, you can't read my mind. Yeah. You know, it's you don't just know you. that I don't, I want that. Yeah. Of course, I have to work on that. And yeah. and I'm trying that in general to just like, I'm more accommodating for other people sometimes than I am for myself. So doing what I want, you know, and saying what I want to say and just kind of being more truthful to myself. And that was my word for the year is like, just it's okay to feel the way that I feel and just be honest and to just say it to other people instead of just agreeing or fitting the mold, you know? Yeah. So I'm was, working on it. Was
1: that your intention for this year? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about intentions versus resolutions? Mm, What's the difference? Well, I think intentions for me come from a very deep place. So it's it's something that you can create lasting change with. And there's always a why behind it. I feel that resolutions are much more surface level. And the reason they don't last is because we don't get to the why. It's like, I want to look hot. So I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Or I want to lose 15 pounds because of this. It's never this is how it's going to make me feel or this is why I feel this way now and how I want to get out of it. And so I always believe in setting an intention rather than a, than a resolution because I think you can actually stick with it and get something out of it.
0: I would agree with that. Yeah. I think I, I love New Year's because I, I think it's like a time to reflect on the whole year and it's just a beautiful thing. And so I just kind of take that time and think, okay, what's one thing that I've kind of been working up the mountain to that I can just kind of hold on to? for this next year. And that was what came to me is to, to my truth, to just be who I am. And I've done work and I have work to do, but just like in my business and in my relationships to, yeah, just not be afraid to push it forward. You know, I think there's been a lot of good stuff coming my way. And sometimes it's overwhelming or just being happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> grateful.
1: One of the things, I don't know if I told you this. I was I did an ayahuasca retreat last month. And one of the things that came to me, I was like in this in hell. I was in hell. And I learned in that moment that the way for me to get out of hell is to use my voice and to breathe. Wow. And it was so powerful. It was like everything I needed to learn in that one moment. And I'm curious, as I have found my voice and just evolved over the last year, even with this show how you have found your voice and how that has contributed to your growth and your evolution.
0: I think I'm still finding it. But I think it's so much of figuring out your internal self. You know, me going on this journey for myself and figuring these things out in a holistic way provides more of a voice for me to be able to share that and to connect with other people and kind of help guide them to what their truth is on their journey and use these holistic methods. So my voice is just kind of being real and vulnerable. And that's hard for me. You know, it's hard for me to, you know, I've really... And part of my intent for the year was to blog more and to do these things online. And it's not my biggest strength, you know, really writing everything out. So I look at your stuff and I'm like, yeah, Kelly, you know, (laughs) like I'm inspired by your newsletters and everything is so positive and real. And so I'm getting there. Well, if you ever want to like do a guest blog for us. Oh, sure. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. Less work for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll make it the Erica show.
0: Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know the story about the beans, right? And your brother? The canned refried <laughs> yeah. beans
1: and he was so like terrified. No, he, he didn't
0: know what they were.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. He's My like, mom what are had these? to
0: call your mom and be like, I just ruined your son. I'm sorry that... I pulled out the canned beans. Yeah.
1: So my mom, for those of you listening who don't know this, is Mexican and makes the best food, (laughs) the best Mexican food. And so my brother went over to Erica's house when they were little and her mom brought out these canned beans. And she was like, what are those? Because my mom makes (laughs) beans from scratch, like with the ham hock and the whole situation. (laughs) We had never seen a canned bean in our lives. (laughs) So so funny.
0: I made my first batch of beans from scratch two weeks ago. How was it? So tell your mom. She'll be so proud of you. It was great. It's, it's like ham. The, it's the easiest thing, right? It just yeah. takes a long time. Yeah, I can't do it. I need to make my own
1: bone broth and I can't do it. I'm so lazy.
0: Yeah. but we were talking about earlier, I just go to Erewhon. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm that girl. I'm you like that. It's okay. Yeah. You're, you're finding your best option that supports you in that time. There's <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> I really... I miss cooking though. When
1: I was super sick and I was following the autoimmune protocol and doing elimination diets, I cooked every meal... I felt so incredible. Yeah. And then life gets in the way, and then you're, you just I know, pick
0: stuff up or. It's kind of like my creative outlet. Yeah. Like people think I'm crazy that I enjoy peeling my almonds for almond milk. Like I just you am do that not. girl. Oh my God.
1: You are a hippie.
0: I am. <laughs> and I do it all the time. And now Chris is spoiled because mm-hmm. it's the only milk that will foam right. for his lattes. Mm. So when he opens the fridge and pulls it out, he looks at me with this sad face. <laughs> Let me put my apron on and get to peeling. Oh my god! No, but I love Suzy being in the kitchen Baker because over here. I didn't cook growing up. Right, me I either. was probably having <laughs> those canned bean burritos, yeah, and
1: grilled cheese, and... exactly.
0: And so this has been—I mean, I've just been a nerd and mm-hmm. just like wanting to make everything from scratch and learning how to cook. So it's mm-hmm. fun, and I am obsessed with it. What's your favorite thing to make? I like baking.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do bake a lot. It makes me
0: happy. Um, but I like curries a lot mm-hmm. and. I like basil pesto a lot. That sounds yummy. I make that a lot. Yeah. You make good
1: pastas too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I see you make
1: pasta quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I do. I like gluten-free pasta from Jovial and I love basil pesto and yeah, whatever I can make out of that. Have you found
1: uh, or used the Cybels like I think it's called Free to Eat and it's made out of lentils and peppers. That's my favorite.
0: That sounds great. I haven't seen that brand, but I do really love lentil pasta I get as well. them on Amazon. They're like $6 a box. Oh, good. And they're purely made of vegetables.
1: Me. I will. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they're so good. I want to talk more about where you've gotten in this point in your life. So many of the women that listen to this show or the young girls, it's a really hard time to be a girl yeah. with social media and societal pressure to look a certain way, be a certain way. And you seemingly have it all together. I know that life is hard for everyone, but I'm just curious how you've created this self-awareness and vision of who you are and stand strong in that presence.
0: I think I'm definitely always working on that. I think as women, it's easy to go down all these different roads with Mm -hmm. self-appreciation and self-love what what comes to mind when you ask me that is my angelo and just doing right and being kind and i think above all else like that internal goodness radiates way more than our looks and so if you can just be a good person and show up and show love to other people that you're doing something right and then from there just keep going in all the ways mm-hmm. if that answers your question yeah. i think i'm confident and who I am because I know I'm a good person.
1: Yeah, I think treating people well is something that is highly underrated.
0: Yeah. Because it
1: makes them feel good and it makes you feel good. And then they go on in their day treating other people well. And I I can't say it enough. I think just smiling at someone or saying, hi, you never know what someone's going through. Absolutely. You never know. And you could have such a huge impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've learned a lot with... you know what I'm doing for a living now and getting into these people's lives has been so great. Um, you really get to know people and you really get to to form really cool bonds and relationships. And it's important to have that trust and to, you know, I feel like every client that's come to me has taught me something probably more than I've taught them. But it's just, it's nice to be able to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. How has spirituality played a role in your life? Believing that there's something bigger than ourselves and that we're all connected way more than we can imagine and I always go to I don't know if you saw the book or read the book or saw the movie the shack it's pretty spiritual and like a Christian faith but there's this part in it of um everyone is like these lights oh is it like is it Chris Pine and a little girl yeah 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 Yeah. um and I remember and God is a woman yeah in it but to me this one part of the movie stands out and it's everyone is these like neon colored lights and they're seeing all these different things through God's eyes that we can't see. And so I really think about that a lot, like how limited we are as human beings and we have no idea really how connected we are. And I use the example of when you're really thinking about someone randomly and then they call you Yes, and that that happens. And that is like a very minuscule example of something on a very larger scale, I think, of how connected the world is and so spiritually I really find that within or I try to do things in my life to feel connected and that a lot of the time is walking on the beach or doing what makes us really happy having these type of conversations you feel in line you know you feel spiritually connected so
1: how do you explain when you are in alignment and out of alignment and what that feels like for you
0: yeah, I definitely know when I am you know both those feelings and I think sometimes I have to I realize that I'm out of alignment and I want to get back in alignment because I how good it feels to be aligned right <laughs> So I know you sometimes have to put in work to get there. You have to sometimes do yoga or walks or meet with people or journal and do things that you don't feel like doing in the moment, but you know it's building that that feeling of connectedness again to get to that point. So
1: I think one of the hard things for so many people, especially if you have chronic illness, is you feel really bad. And so the idea of journaling or going on a walk is just like so overwhelming. Yeah. But something I always feel is that it just takes one day for you to do something and see effects it's not going to change overnight but one day at a time you add these things into your life and the cumulative effect over time that is when your life can change so what's your advice for people that do feel they wake up in the morning and they're already so overwhelmed and they feel terrible yeah to be able to implement things like that
0: one thing at a time you know it's it's okay to not have a crazy day and go for a run and do all these things. It's okay to just do the best you can that day, which is having a good option for to start your day, like lemon water or ginger tea or whatever it is for you at that time. And really just taking a moment to say, okay, I slept well last night and focusing on some sort of positive and then just taking the day minute by minute and doing what's best for you and responding to the situation from a loving place and just trying to to love on yourself in the best way for that day, you know, and not having the expectation that you have to do huge amounts of things to feel accomplished that do what's right for you in that moment. Yeah.
1: One of the hardest things about going through a healing journey is knowing which doctor to find. And then once you find a doctor, what questions to ask them, what tests to get done. And it can be really overwhelming, especially when you feel awful and your body hurts and you're so exhausted and you can't even see straight, how are you supposed to interact with your doctor? So as this being something I really dealt with a ton during my journey, I decided to create this document for you that you can print out and take into your doctor. And it talks about all of the different questions to ask and tests to ask for so that you are fully equipped and confident when you go into that office and have a conversation. And it really helps the doctor understand that you are willing to advocate for yourself. And that's a really important part of this whole experience. So if you go to kellytenant.com, You'll see tests to ask your doctor for. Just click that. You can download it and take it in. And I swear it will make the world of difference. It's something I wish I had when I had been really sick. And I can't wait for you to utilize this tool. You listened to my episode with Steven, right? Yes, I did. So good. It was very good. I was proud of him. So proud. And I would love... That's one of the most downloaded shows I've had. People. Are obsessed with it because yeah. I think for a guy to get that real about what he went through and the decisions he made, and you, you know, you and I both know a lot of things that we didn't even talk about. But I'm curious from your perspective to watch someone like Steven and the growth that he has gone through. And we know a lot of hard things that have happened with you know, friends of your guys's that you grew up with. What's that like for you to watch someone change in that way and now be where he is? Today.
0: I'm just proud. Yeah. Cause that's what I've always wanted, yeah. you know. And I feel like senior year got kind of rough for a lot of people in our group. And um, I know Steven's a good person and I knew he had it in him because he's just very strong willed and determined and a great athlete, just like you. He's <laughs> way better than me. <laughs> no, I mean, you're a great athlete to so both <laughs> of you guys in different ways, obviously, yes. swimmer, volleyball, but it feels good. I feel inspired that. A lot of people have that choice in the road in many different areas of life. And when you choose to do right and do a path that is good for you, that's the right decision. And it feels good to the world and it feels good to you. And where he is now is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think,
1: you know, something Stephen and I talked about, his his episode is called Fueling the Fire of Self-Love. He didn't like himself, let alone love himself almost his whole life. And... As he was talking about that, it was so painful for me to hear, not only because it's your little brother and you want to like make sure he's okay, but I also felt that same way. And it was crazy that we didn't have those conversations until a year ago where we really connected on the same exact experiences. And I think that's something that comes up a lot on this show is that we don't really like ourselves. How do you navigate that?
0: I think... You know, of course, there's conversations that I've had that I wish I would have done better or things that I've done that I know that now that I've grown on my own journey, I would have handled differently. So I think it's just giving yourself love through that th- You know, that process of when you know better, you do better. And you can't beat yourself up that you weren't the person you are now 20 years ago. Yeah, you only know ago, what you know. It was part of your journey. And you came into this world and you were built as a certain person and you learned from nature and nurture and you evolved and then you become an adult and you get more conscious about who you are in some cases. And I think illness or sick, you know sickness or trauma really brings that to the surface in a lot of people. And that's where the growth happens. So you kind of just have to keep going. And like I said, when you know better, do better and and not beat yourself up over... Things that you could have done differently. Cause if you would have known what you know now, you would have handled handled those things differently. Totally. Yeah. How
1: do you see trauma and emotional experiences manifesting as disease and physical illness in people?
0: I see that a lot. I see that stress and a lot of environmental factors cause and are attributed to disease and illness. So I think that. Usually when I meet a client, it's a whole approach of all aspects of their life. The good thing is, and I'm reading this book that really talks about this, but especially with you know cancer and certain things, you you feel helpless in the moment because everyone and with any illness, doctors, everyone has a different opinion. They're telling you to do all these different things and you finally find a treatment that may work for you. But taking what's, what can be in our control and grasping it and being an advocate for yourself, you know, food and where we buy it and how we prepare it and what we're eating is something that is solely up to us. It's something that we can have control over and we can feed ourselves nourishing things, you know, same with you know every holistic self-care thing you want to bring into your life, it's it's you taking a direction for yourself to get better. So there is an upside that we do have control to reverse Things that have built up to us that are making us sick. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you tell people to advocate for themselves in the healthcare system on topics like this?
0: I think we kind of take their, you know, their biggest concerns. They know that they're, you know, going through treatment or they're dealing with something, and then they say, "I just am not sleeping," or "I'm not." don't have an appetite or I have really high anxiety. And then we kind of just try to like chip away at those issues and see what works. And, um, just the more that they learn, the more they become, you know, an advocate for themselves. And it just is like a, a rolling ball it just starts working. It's just, they, you find things that stick that you've been missing.
1: How do you feel about people Googling stuff, symptoms, <laughs> um, you know, WebMD. illnesses. Yeah. WebMD your life away. Um, because I feel I feel two ways about this. One, you can go so far down the rabbit hole that you think everything is cancer all the time and that yeah. you're going to die. Or you can be better equipped for when you walk into a doctor's office and say, these are the things I'm experiencing. Now you have words to communicate them at least. And could we look into doing these tests? I think there's two ways it can go.
0: Yeah, depending on the person. I mean, I think the internet is an amazing tool for us to do research. and And I've come a long way on my journey from researching and even when I found, you know, certain authors of, you know, that I shared with you for Epstein Bar and things like that, it's great to have that stuff at our fingertips now. But I think if someone has that fear in them, that like instant worrying personality or fear, it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole you're talking of and just think that everything's killing you. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a headache. Literally. When you haven't drinking any water that yeah. day.
1: Simple fixes, people.
0: <laughs> but no, I think it's good. And I think it's also just realizing that maybe you're okay too. You mm-hmm. know, and that it's okay to just trust a little bit and, and not let it take over your brain. It's good to be educated, but it's also good to work with, you know, experts in the field like doctors and come together. Yeah. And work together yeah. and get multiple opinions. Mm-hmm. You are the one
1: that introduced me to medical medium. Yeah. How do you feel about his protocols and how have you implemented them into your life?
0: I would say, I know there's a lot of controversy on medical medium. I'm really proud of his organic movement. And I think that's something that I really just focus on is that he's done a really good job at not using only foods to help heal people. So I think it's a good baseline for someone going through a lot of hard times in their gut and diet and with illnesses, and they can grow from there where they need to grow. I've used that for a lot of my clients and I've seen great results. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think it's it's this concept of eating real food. And you were talking about, well, what if I had eaten all these vegetables when I had been eating meat? It's the same thing to me. You're going to feel better if you start eating whole foods, whatever you believe about him and his channeling and how he gets the information and um, there is a lot of controversy, but at the end of the day, if you take this one concept of eating whole real foods from the earth that are organic and so nourishing to your body, yeah. you're going to get better. Totally. Period. And
0: to me, people ask me about the spiritual side of you know, where his information's coming from. I'm not him. How do I know what he's channeling? You know, I'm not one to say that that's true or not. But what I can say is a lot of what he talks about, about specific food groups. And I have to say that that's kind of the part of the books I look at, um, align with what I learned in school. So I think it's great. His recipes are great. They're easy. They're simple ingredients. It's a great baseline to start from. I don't think anything is harmful to start bringing into your diet from the recipes in his book. Yeah,
1: I agree. I want to transition into your relationships with women. You're gorgeous.
0: Thank I you. wish everyone
1: could see your pretty face <laughs> right now. But I think that that obviously throws a wrench into female relationships in general. I mean, you were beautiful from a very young age. So I, I imagine... We've never talked about this, so I don't know what your answer is. But I imagine this has caused somewhat of an issue in your life and having a sister. And that's something I never had to deal with. It was, I think it was a lot easier <laughs> having a brother. Although <laughs> Steven was such a pain for so long. Um, you love, always handle love that Love God, we were awful together. But I'm just curious how your relationships were when you were young, how that sort of evolved and where you are now and how that's contributed to your growth.
0: Yeah, it's so funny that you asked this because I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm at a point now where I have really good women in my life that are confident and beautiful and really support me and are amazing. I always had girlfriends, more guy friends and girlfriends growing up for sure. Because I got along with guys really easily. I think now looking back, I wish I was more of an advocate for women, but I think that there was a component to, you know, I started kind of modeling when I was 16 and I felt like, I mean, just in all aspects of life, when I, girls tended to be catty and to kind of be unsure of you, you know, and then as they warmed up, and numerous people in my life have been like, oh my gosh, you're actually really nice. I'm like, They're like, yeah, hello. <laughs> you could <kind of> have <laughs> no, just no, no. said hello to me, <laughs> but I get it. Um, yeah. But I think the world's changing in general mm-hmm. to where it's not like that anymore, and I have wholeheartedly been inspired and loved, and how women are supporting each other more now than ever. I feel it. Mm-hmm. How do you step into female relationships differently now? I think what I realize is that, of course, there's things I can work on, but when I meet a female that has done their own work. It's just easy. There's not that feeling of competition or cattiness. It's them just being themselves and loving me for who I am. And like, let's go for a walk. Let's go meet for coffee. Let's talk about you know everything we want to talk about. And it's just a beautiful relationship. I think we have to really stick together and be who we are and accept each other for who we are and do the work to love ourselves. Because I think when you love yourself, you tend to love other people. Yeah. So No, it's
1: true. I'm curious your idea on this concept. So at Women's Space in Culver City, they have women's circles. And the rule is that when you're sitting in the circle, someone's sharing usually something very deep and personal. There's no crosstalk. You're not allowed to talk back. You're not allowed to give input or advice. You let the person share and the person leading the circle says, thank you. And like you move on. And this is such a foreign concept. I think for women especially, this idea to sit across from someone and not offer advice or opinions That's unless you're directly asked. How do you communicate and does it reflect that at all?
0: That's been one of my biggest challenges and that I've grown into um, is that I'm very opinionated. I used to be way more opinionated as you know a teenager to where my advice was needed to be heard and was right and I was gonna like, help you fix yourself. But really, I needed to fix myself. Um, so I think being conscious of holding a space of just listening and you don't have to say anything and you can just be there. And I've learned that so much in the past years and with my clients. And um, yeah, it's it's been a great... I think I am happy to continue to go down that road, to not always have to have something to say, to just listen and hear people out and to be love and support and not... And let them find the answers on their own and to help them just be a soundboard to... To figure it out. Do
1: you feel like you've needed to help people less because you've helped yourself?
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that's a good point. I think i I definitely agree that I ex- I'm a lot less judgmental. I'm a lot more accepting of people and where they are and um, who they are and the not success doesn't look the same to everyone. Yeah, I think it's
1: a hard thing to know that everyone has to go on their own path. How How are your parents with your life now and what that looks like? My
0: career? Yeah.
1: Really... And your your little nomad <laughs> life of traveling all over the world with your I cute boyfriend. It
0: must make them a little nervous at first. Yeah. <laughs> and getting a passport and then being like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're proud. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents are great people and they're on their own journeys and they're both pretty healthy. Like yeah. the eating habits and everything is totally... Everyone's changing. And so... That's great it's my dad's juicing and my mom's <laughs> baking and everyone is doing their thing. Steve so.
1: Tennant has been off caffeine for like six months. He swims. <laughs> he goes running every <gasps> morning. Can you see
0: my dad like running? Like It's so good. He's I, all about it. I really think like I honestly love your parents. You have great parents. They're just fun, good people. And I'm glad that your dad is not drinking caffeine and running and swimming and doing all the things because he's really funny. And- I know.
1: And they've like cut carbs and they're all conscious. The best part about all of this is that Steven and I were laughing the other night because like we've been telling you guys this for how long? But now that I have a show and I have people like you come on, they listen to everyone that comes on my show instead of us. <laughs> I'm like, screw you guys. I told you this four years ago That's and now so they're all about it. Like, That's
0: great. awesome. At least
1: you listen to my friends.
0: <laughs> my sister's been pretty healthy, but I remember like four years ago, I had her watch all the documentaries. Like, don't ask me, just watch all these documentaries, yeah. you know. To my little sister, so I'm a little rougher with her, but mm-hmm. she's just texting me like, oh my gosh, like the cows and this and that. And I'm like, go drink your glass of milk, yeah. you know, like <laughs> make your own decision.
1: <laughs> well, she's doing nursing, which is, She's she's doing a Western medicine program, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what is that like? We've talked about that. She's yeah. really healthy and completely plant-based as of now. And mm. I think she'll be great for the field to incorporate, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to be a liaison for both worlds. That's yeah. kind of what I'm an advocate for, is mm-hmm. not picking sides. Right. Same with like being a vegan or, you know, keto or whatever. It's like just it's okay to be in the middle a little bit and like mm-hmm. be who you are, but to be in Western medicine and help people in the hospital, but to also be able to have education mm-hmm. on a more holistic approach, I think is exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. And my sister's amazing because I'm all on the food and she makes all her own beauty products. She does? Like for herself. And That's I'm like, you need- other people want this. Like yeah. deodorant, face lotion, bronzer, dry shampoo, shampoo, what? toothpaste. Like she just, some scientist in Temecula. In her own little lab and doesn't tell anyone.
1: <laughs> in a legal way. Exactly. Unlike the other labs in Temecula. <laughs> oh my God.
0: But I'm just proud of her. So That's so fun. great. So I had a client that came to me for food and then found my sister and got lotion and all this stuff. And it's just cute. It's like... That's so great. Yeah. So I'm proud of her.
1: If you could give your younger self advice, what would it be? <laughs> Put you on the spot, girl.
0: Um, I would say... Just to be who you are, mm-hmm. to continue going down that journey and loving yourself and, and to accept other people and to not be afraid to go see the world and get into other cultures and um, to listen and, and let, let the lessons come. Mm-hmm. Let the world teach you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. Family is not only blood. And I think the biggest change I saw in my life when I moved here, I forgot to mention is like I stopped viewing people as strangers. Mm-hmm. I just viewed them as people. I think the stranger danger from childhood really, you know, was strong, so I was always kind of weary. But really, just sitting down and communicating with people. So by the end of you know my journey, I'd go to a coffee shop and I'd have all my locals just at my table, and we'd be having breakfast together and talking about life. So just realizing human beings that we're all in the same family and created equally. I love that. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being and here. And taking
1: me all the things, keeping <laughs> me nourished. Yes. Anytime. As I said earlier, I absolutely love Erica. I am so proud of her. And you can hear just all of the work that she has done and the willingness that she has to better herself and be better in relationships and fill up her own cup so she can serve other people and really empower women in their healing journeys. And she's just a really, really special woman. And I am so grateful that I've known her for all these years and that we have reconnected in this new aspect of our lives. So don't forget to find Erica on Instagram at Erica Jane Health. Let her know how much you love this episode and how much she has inspired you. We'll have another inspirational conversation for you here on Ceremony Wellness in just a few days. And in the meantime, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon.